Welcome to the Jesse Garcia Show, your half-hour home for politics, culture, and art. We come to you every week with a new story about your world. Today's guest is Albert Arrevalo from Latino Outdoors. As the world prepares for the 50th anniversary of Earth Day, the Latinx community will seek meaningful ways to commemorate the historic occasion by visiting parks and cleaning up our environment. Albert will share ways you can contribute and enjoy our country's parks, along with the responsibilities we all have when visiting them. Thank you for following the Jesse Garcia Show on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. For more information about the podcast, visit jessegarciashow.com. Save the date. The 2020 Green Latinos National Summit takes place May 19th through the 22nd at the Blue Ridge Assembly YMCA in Black Mountain, North Carolina. Spend a week with Green Latino members, partners, and stakeholders who will come together to work on environmental and conservation issues that are greatly impacting the Latinx community and lay out comprehensive strategies to change the dynamics of those issues for the better. For registration information, visit greenlatinos.org. I want to welcome to the show my very good friend, Albert Arrevalo, a native Brownsvillian like I am. Very, very native. Very native. <laughs> We're on both the, from the same city of Brownsville, Texas. On the border by the sea. Exactly. No one, they're like, but it's not a sea, it's a Gulf of Mexico, but still. If you are not, I, if you don't know, you don't know. You don't know. It's just a wonderful saying that we can't grow up with. He, he is here in Washington, D.C., and he's a part of Latino Outdoors. And we have them on the show today to talk about stuff in the outdoors that Latino families can do. But before we get into that, tell us a little bit about yourself. Sure, of course. Well, first, thank you for having me, Jesse. I've heard a lot of friends, colleagues, and new people that I am following through your show. So thank you for having me. Thank you for listening. Um, uh, yeah, so yeah, so it's one exciting to have you know a connection with another person from your hometown. Um, being so far away, I think being reminded and anchored by somebody else like yourself is very comforting because um, there's certain struggles that people may not understand unless you're from the particular area in Texas, which is Brownsville. Like little sayings, like whether it's like being called the Valley Girl or <laughs> 956 or just that nine, uh, just, on the border it, by the sea saying. Yeah. It's, it's very comforting. A lot of people that when you come up here, you're not from the West Coast or the East Coast. You're by a flyover, st- flyover state. And it's just really hard, you know, to have that sort of like command that respect or attention when you're not from these important cities. Well, I think Texas is more than a flyover state. Yeah, I it's, think it's, it's a destination. A, it's, it's a destination. <laughs> I'll agree with you with that. But when we had to explain that we're from South Texas and they're like, is that like a so I'm like, no, that's West Texas. <laughs> How far are you from Corpus? I'm like, so, well, far. <laughs> yeah. And then it's like, so is that by San Antonio? I'm like, that's like five hours away. So. I give up and I say yes. <laughs> <laughs> so we grew up in a beautiful part of Texas. It's like a delta uh, right by the Rio Grande uh, River. A lot people, when they think of like South Texas, they just think flatlands, mesquite trees, yeah. not much to offer. Yeah. But there's a lot of vegetation down there, mm-hmm. the palm trees. Uh, I grew up loving the nature that I, that I, because I grew up in the rural part of yeah. Brownsville, outside the 
the city limits and I got to see a lot of beautiful stuff out there the different animals and stuff like that mm -hmm. what made you want to go into nature yeah I think for me um, the silver lining of being low income um, really actually drew me to the outdoors because I had to use my imagination and we didn't I, have toys growing up. We, we had some toys, and then my, my friend and I, Richie, um, we would actually make our own toys and pretend they were like weapons, clearly not very safe, <laughs> and we would test each other, like test the weapons on each other. <laughs> Nonetheless, it's not, it's not safe, but I think it taught me about risk. Um, but just playing outside in El Monte, right behind my yard, we would pretend we were Power Rangers and running in the field being pretending that we're being chased by Rita from Power Rangers and the putties, <laughs> the gang of putties, um, but also just like the vegetation, like seeing like the wildlife, whether it was tarantulas, rattlesnakes, wasps, like just like jackrabbits, like just a lot of the wildlife really was and our fascinating. Parents, oh my God, they would let us go out there yeah. without supervision as long as we're home by dusk. By dusk, yeah. You know, and it was just sort of like, what parent does that today, mm -hmm. you know? and. How many kids have that opportunity to grow up where you can just go roam, yeah. you know, and yeah. look at the you look look at nature, experience nature, cross all these acres of land, and still get home by dinner time? By dinner time, before or after? Um, if if it would be after, my mom would be displeased, but um, it yeah. would be worth it. And we had I was no phones outside. to connect. Well, yeah. back then when I was young, <laughs> there was no like cell phones where she could ping me to come home. This was just. As soon as the sun goes yeah. starts going down, you need to get home. Yeah. Yeah. So you grew up uh, in using your imagination. So I feel so sorry for these kids that are just stuck at home, connected to computers, yeah. to try to get their joy. When we experience joy going out there, being one with nature, and now this continues to your adulthood. Yeah. And let me add something really quickly. And I think that's the um, the opportunity that I had, and the, actually the opportunity that any anybody that grows along grows up along the border has is living this double life being an American but also being a Mexican um, and kind of code switching so I was able to go to Playa Baghdad in Matamoros and go fishing with my grandfather and my cousin so um, you know the imagination play opportunities that I had in my backyard in Brownsville and then the beach whether it was in Matamoros or South Padre Island um, those two beaches are really, I think, what really kind of connected me to the outdoors. Um, there is a very staple um, creature, um, particularly it's a reptile in South Texas um, that's a sea turtle. And how they navigate back to the same beach is by imprinting. So the smell of the sand is what kind of theorize, is a particular theory why people say sea turtles come back to this one particular beach. And I feel that South Padre Island has imprinted itself on me. That smell of the sand and the beach, it, it really is intoxicating. I love I it. it. I love it. I miss it. The ocean breeze, the palm trees, like the casual lifestyle, having tacos and water burger by, <laughs> by the beach. I miss that. With me, the sound of wind going through the palm trees, mm -hmm. it just brings back such a good feeling in me of being young and being carefree and just because palm trees are everywhere yeah you know that was your, that was a marker when that was the marker when you're when you're coming south whether from like I, I went to school in san marcos shout out texas state 
Uh, I went, I was like heading down from San Marcos back to Brownsville, and then that was the marker that I was close to home when we started seeing palm trees, and that kind of gave me like, okay, I feel like I'm at home now. Yes, great memories. So you're up here in Washington D.C., and you're now an advocate for nature. Uh, you've gotten a lot of people, a lot of Latinos, wanting to get interested in the outdoors you pulled me out there you've given me opportunities not only to go hiking but also to go clean up the potomac which is a wonderful thing to do because it's like 96 percent of the water that we get comes from the potomac yeah and it's just important that we keep that river that's very historic definitely i mean the whole history aspect i mean we should keep it clean but it's also where we depend yeah. on water. Yeah, you water, know? water is life. And I think um, having that connection to water um, is in the U.S. and in developing countries, um, industrial countries, is it's a privilege because we can turn on the faucet. We don't have to worry about water, at least in some parts of the country, of course. Um, but we feel very privileged because water is very accessible. And I think having an opportunity to clean up the river and seeing a lot of the like the trash that has been left oh behind is my God. heartbreaking. Yes, it's like I went on one trip and we took these kids that were mentoring, which was beautiful because they never done something like that. And they were first generation. And that Potomac River also is where the American bald eagle nests. Yeah. So imagine being in okay, growing up in DC, a Latino kid growing up in DC, doing something in nature for the first time and seeing your country's image just you know soar up above it really, so beautiful it's, it's it is such an, um, very patriotic i just wanted to like to salute it i mean it was just so <laughs> i wouldn't <moving>. blame you <laughs> but the things that we pulled out of that river well that landed on the side because we didn't actually go to the river to take the trash we just got what was on the banks a bowling ball yeah a side of a of a panel of a car yeah uh we saw a dead deer, yeah. which we think it was a dead deer, but that was just nature. Yeah. You know, but stuff that was coming down was a lot of golf balls, mm -hmm. a lot of, a lot of, uh, just, uh, it's just a stuff lot of that. In unusual and objects. typical things that you might see. Um, I would think maybe like trash bags, trash or, bags. or, or bottles or, mm -hmm. or, or straws, straws, but no. All these things that get dumped in the river. The trash is very diverse. And I will say that um, when I first started my career in the D.C. area, I worked for a litter campaign. Mm -hmm. um, I've, used this, I've used this joke before, but um, I was paid to talk trash. <laughs> so, um, so, yeah, and I think um, one of the key takeaways of why people litter and through our campaign with the Alice Ferguson Foundation, we actually interviewed litterers. And one of the key takeaways was they didn't have control of their lives. So one thing that they could control was trash and, and, and particularly littering that trash. So if they might not have control financially, emotionally, it could be situational like stress. That's something they couldn't control. If they had a piece of trash, that's something they could control and throw it on the ground. So the campaign was revolved around the, the theme of take back control. So yeah. So aside from working all these professional um, roles, dealing with the environment, 
you're also part of Latino Outdoors. Mm -hmm. Tell us how that organization came to be. What started it? Yeah, definitely. So um, Latino Outdoors started with an idea from Jose Gonzalez. He, um, at the time, like 2012, um, was looking at looking for other Latinos who were just kind of interested in the outdoors. And he did what anybody would do with a computer in search. And he was just like outdoors, Latinos in the outdoors or environmentalists or recreating. But what would happen is that he would find a lot of the contrary of what our image is. So people that look like us, Latinos and incarceration images, incarceration news, things that do not adequately define us. So in a way to kind of reclaim the digital space, he started blogging about his experience in the outdoors. Through his blog, evolved, and then he started an organization, and that really sparked a movement that, in all honesty, is on the shoulders of giants. Um, we've been able to work and collaborate with other organizations, and the organization has evolved into um, a really wonderful, um, heartfelt movement that really wants to push people to be visible in the outdoors. Yeah, in all your materials that I've seen about Latino Outdoors, it's a very welcoming organization. Mm -hmm. I mean, right up front, you say it's a place for all people, regardless of race, creed, gender, sexual or orientation, ability, language, and nationality. So you're opening the doors to partner with everyone. Definitely. I think something that distinguishes Latino Outdoors uh, as an organization is that it's first a community and then second an organization. So that's what we're trying to build is a community of um, Latinx individuals who are, you know, just reclaiming both the digital space with visible representation online on through social media, of course, and then also outside and being, um, you and know, conservation, visible. yeah, conservation, outdoor recreation. And environmental education. Yeah, I, one of my friends had mentioned that, and I think this is a great um, just image for Latino outdoors, is that if a seat is not given to you at the table, you bring your own chair. And I think that's what a lot of organizations um, like Outdoor Afro, like Pride Outside, like Latino Outdoors, and the other organizations that work with marginalized communities are doing is that we are not given the space um, and the voice so we are creating our own space and enhancing our own voices by working as a community with our other uh, people of color community. What are some of the activities that every Latinx family should take advantage at state and national parks? And there's also city parks. I mean, we have the whole, that runs the whole gamut, you know, of local parks versus state and national. What are the, some, some of the things that they offer? Yeah, I think um, seeing what you can do, um, I, I will admit that playing outside is one a luxury and two a privilege so having that time to go outside and play is a privilege on its own so if you have that opportunity to go with your family and if it's whether maybe it's a 30 minute hike or like a walk around you know just in rock creek park find any kind of opportunity that you can whether it's a national park in the washington area or, or just like your local park that could be just around your neighborhood and you might have not discovered it unless you venture out and go outside and and, and, and don't be afraid of um, 
of the elements. Um, the elements do scare people away, and I will admit that they have scared <laughs> me, especially the cold being from Brownsville. Yeah. Um, but just, you know, um, having the right gear is also something that makes your outdoor experience that more that much more enjoyable. Yeah, because uh, a lot of people tend to think of parts of places to have picnics. But there's so much more that you can do. Yeah, definitely. I think um, I, I get that conversation. I, I get uh, asked a lot about like, oh, like we always see the the Latino, the Latinx community just picnicking. I'm like, hey, that's totally fine. The thing is that they're doing it and they're already outside. So how can you invite them and just not be invasive and say, you can't picnic here, but you should come to my program. Maybe you should have a program that involves picnicking or a picnic at the end of the event as a celebration to kind of get families out. What are some of the basic responsibilities you should remember when you visit parks? Yeah, definitely. I think um, the seven principles of leave no trace, um, I'll run down the list. Sure. Um, So number one, Plan ahead and prepare. Number two, travel and camp on durable surfaces. Number three, dispose of waste properly. Number four, leave what you find. So take pictures, uh, don't take anything else. (laughs) Uh, Number five, minimize campfire impacts. Number six, respect wildlife. Number seven, be considerate of other visitors. Yeah, the one big one, that really sticks out is the campfire one. Yeah. That one was one of the reasons why we've had so many wildfires go mm-hmm. crazy on us summers ago, two summers yeah. ago, I think. Um, it's just people think that they've turned out the fire, but there's little embers still going on. And it's, it just have to be more responsible because it's not only um, leaving something going, you know, that's mm-hmm. still active, but there's a potential for it to spread definitely and and cause a lot of harm not just money wise but to the animals yeah. and to future vegetation yeah that, just, we're gonna, that we did depend on for oxygen yeah being responsible and then um the thing is just drowning out fires fires feed off of oxygen so depriving them of more oxygen so like um whether it's putting it out with dirt or water. Uh, if you put water on an open flame, it'll be very smoky. So be careful. Uh, but yeah, just being aware of how to distinguish, uh, how to extinguish fires, because it is our responsibilities as stewards when we're outside and enjoying the outdoors to make sure that we leave the outdoors as we left them. I suspect, suspect this year that we're going to get a lot of people going outside because it's the 50th anniversary of Earth Day. Definitely. Yes, and it's going to bring a lot of people to the outdoors. People are going to want to celebrate the holiday by uh, April 22nd, going out there, doing stuff. What are some of the activities that your organization is working on or the organizations that you partner with? I think um, going back to what you were saying earlier is cleanups. I think a cleanup is, uh, in what I say, my opinion, is like the gateway activity to being an environmentalist because you're getting to clean up this space and then when you're outside and playing and enjoying nature you just become a little bit more self-aware about litter that is disposed of um 
Sometimes I try to lean on the more optimistic side and say people might have accidentally dropped it, um, <laughs> but but people could have just been malicious and just said, you know what, I'm gonna just leave my dog's poop in this bag and I, I picked it up, but I'm still just gonna leave it on the trail, which is non, not very fair. Um, I will say that something that we're hoping to do is another activity with little ones in Tacoma Park, um, making mud pies and getting dirty. Uh, and that's with, um, the Tacoma Park Cooperative School in uh, Tacoma Park, Maryland. So um, we worked with them last year, so hopefully doing it again this year. Um, a cleanup, we're hoping to collaborate again with um, our friends with at Potomac Conservancy. And then also, um, I also feel very lucky because one, I volunteer for Latino Outdoors, and then two, I actually work for um, a park agency, uh, which is Montgomery Parks in Montgomery County, Maryland. So. We'll be hosting uh, Green Fest, which is uh, a very large Earth Day festival in Montgomery County, Maryland, and that's going to be Sunday, April nineteenth, at Brookside Gardens. What are resources that people could look up to find out what's going on in their neck of the woods? Uh, what parks, trails are available in the region? What do you recommend? Yeah, I think um, one of my favorite. Um, tools is an app called All Trails. Mm-hmm. It, I think um, being mindful that you might not go to a visit, visitor center and pick up a map of all the trails that are in your particular area. The All Trails maps allows you to kind of geolocate a lot of the trails that are in your area. It gives you information about altitude. If you're afraid of like getting winded, which I, has happened to me as well, um, but also the duration and the length of trails. And I think it's a very good app to use because it also gives you information to see if it's accessible for everybody. Uh, and not necessarily accessible in the in the event that you have that that is safe for people of color, but that it is um, ADA compliant if people are looking for trails outside. It's very interesting because uh, some of us like me don't like being in a gym. We rather do our exercise with walking and jogging outside. So this is great, a great way of finding out what's safe, what's out there, what's convenient and what's accessible. Uh, what are the some of the top destinations that people should really plan to visit this summer? <laughs> oh God. Um, if, if money was not an uh, an ob- it was not an obstacle for anybody, I mean like, visiting up some of these like majestic places um, like the Grand Canyon, um, Arches in Utah, um, Yellowstone Yosemite, um, like just there's so many, I'm like really at a loss of words because there's so many, Um, but but, but you also have to be aware of what the limitations are. Um, In 2016, the centennial anniversary of the National Park Service, uh, the National Park Service in the reports mention that that urban parks, parks that are in your immediate community are more important than the Grand Canyons, than the Yellowstones, because if you're not going to the Anacostia parks, the Rock Creek parks in your city, then what is the connection you might want to have for other bigger spaces? So I think going to the spaces that are here, and honestly, there is so much beauty um, that you can find by just really getting on a paddle, going underneath the key bridge and enjoying like the Potomac. Uh, 
with the paddling event um, with our friends of again at the Potomac Conservancy or the Anacostia River Keepers. They have pontoon boat rides along the um, the Anacostia River, um, and then just really seeing how beautiful the like the Potomac and the Anacostia River really are. Here's some uh, facts that I wanted to share with our listeners, and try to quiz you. Ah. What is our most visited national park? Uh, is it the Great Smoky Mountains? Yes. It's, I think it's the most accessible with a 100-mile radius. Yes, there's several states that, you know, <laughs> that the Great Smoky Mountains that get over a million people each year. Everybody thinks the Grand Canyon, but no, it's the Smoky Mountains. And um, Grand Canyon is the second most visited. Uh, what was the first national park? Um, Yellowstone? Yep, the one that created yeah. it. Uh, President Grant, all the way back in 1872, created it. Uh, which state has the most national parks? Which state has the most national parks? Oh, I don't know if I'll forget this one. Let's see. I don't know. California. 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 Course, leading the way. Clocks in with nine, followed by Alaska with eight. Oh. There are 27,000 historic and prehistoric structures preserved within the national park system in the United States. And what's unique is that there's one in New Mexico that has Aztec ruins. Oh, yeah. Isn't that amazing? That's beautiful. I think um, Ken Burns, mm -hmm. um, he documented um, the national parks in a national park series, and he said that the national parks are America's best ideas. And I sincerely believe that because um, we are traveling to these remote places all over the the world, but we have some amazing and beautiful destinations in the U.S. in our own backyards that um, sometimes we forget that they're there, and these places really tell our history. And I do want to highlight on. Um, there's over 400 national parks, and one of my favorite is one of the most recent designated spaces, which is Stonewall, which also recently celebrated its 50th anniversary last year during World Pride. Um, it's, I will say that I got extremely emotional when I went. Um, it's a very small location. It's super <laughs> divey. I you know, like, I'm getting emotional just thinking about yeah. it now. Um, but I also like proposed to now my husband there, oh, which did. was amazing. And it was crazy because we got engaged last, um, like two years ago on uh, New Year's Eve. And had we had known, uh, Madonna would have been there yeah. a couple of hours <laughs> later. Maybe she would have officiated our wedding. But yeah. hey, maybe we'll, we'll wait another 50 years and maybe, you know, Madonna being like, this still alive still alive <laughs> she is but that's yeah. one thing that you brought up that it's not just parts it's actually locations monuments that have been entered into this registry that and become part of the national park system yeah. and they tell the the good it, and the bad yeah history of the u.s and then i think if we want to be um self-aware as a country we have to learn about the mistakes that we have done whether through slavery, whether through its um, discrimination against the LGBTQ community, whether it's celebrating, um, you know, just the tell diversity our of our community. We like, need to tell our truth yeah. so we don't repeat those mistakes of the past. I agree. And stop with the erasure of 
all these important things and sad mm-hmm. things that happen so mm-hmm. future generations can learn from them. I really hope that people that are listening today really support the National Park Service and their budgeting that's yeah. slated to be cut. Yeah. Um, National Parks, the the Forest Service, honestly, any f- a federal, state, local, public lands. Because they're um, dealing with a lot. Yeah. I mean, we're talking about invasive species, climate change. Yeah. Uh, deferred maintenance. Yeah. There's billions. Backlogs. Backlogs. Backlogs on backlogs. Backlogs of projects that need to be to fix these parks mm-hmm. to keep them up to code or to make them s- safer yeah. and more accessible mm-hmm. but we have all these projects that are going unfunded because their budgets keep getting restrained and they're being overcrowded yeah they are yeah i think um people are going to our national parks whether it's um u.s or foreign um visitors people are going to our national parks we uh, as a country need to understand that we need to invest in these spaces so they are able to withstand you know the daily impacts of you know foot traffic of you know of vehicle traffic of all kind of traffic to make sure that these spaces stay pristine for for our lifetime and our children's 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 lifetime as well <laughs> okay so how can Latinos get hooked, hook up with uh, Latino Outdoors? How can they connect and become a part of the organization? Do you all have a website? And yeah, definitely. Media uh, handles we can follow? Of course, yeah. Uh, LatinoOutdoors.org um, is our landing base for a lot of our um, regional chapters all over the country. Um, connect with us in a space that might be close to you but also follow us on social media at latino outdoors and hashtag latino outdoors and be part of the visible online digital community and make your presence online as people of color like visible so other people might think they're the only people recreating and playing and backpacking and hunting and fishing and kayaking and backpacking and so on and so forth in their neck of the woods but you'll be surprised that there is such a large community and i think that is one of the great things the internet has done is to connect a lot of people and it's made the world that much more smaller this land is your land this land is my land amen (laughs) (laughs) thank you Alberto, for coming on the show i really appreciate you the work that you do for Mother Nature and for teaching people like me to be more involved and engaged with the outdoors. Of course, thank you for having me and uh, I'll see you outside. <laughs>